Hi everyone, welcome back to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Really great to be with you and uh, I'd like to welcome back my friend, Becky Castle-Miller to the show. Welcome back. I am so excited about this. I've been really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, me too. And it's not just because Becky's my friend. Um, <laughs> um, when Becky came on the show the first time, we realised we had a mutual love of the TV show Doctor Who. And we kind of did a few GIF conversations um, geeking out about this show on Twitter. And so we, when we talked about doing another episode, we figured, well, why don't we do an episode about kind of the spirituality and philosophy, theology of Doctor Who, because there's a lot of it. And yeah, so I've talked about this on the show before with Sarah Bessie a little bit, but we're going to go into a lot more depth. We're going to spend the whole episode on this subject. Um, so if you're not a fan of the show, please do stick with us and we'll try and convert you. So uh, <laughs> at least they've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Becky, just tell us about the show. Your and your and your experience of the show. How you got into it? Um, about I would say seven years ago, my friend Rachel was a huge fan of Doctor Who, and she kept talking about it. And I said, "All right, Rachel, I'm ready to be converted." Basically, introduce me to the show. So she invited me over to her house, and we had snacks. And she said, "All right, you really need to start." Now she was of the school that you really have to start with the reboot of the show, and so you really have to start with the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Uh, so you have to start with Christopher Eccleston. That was her. And I know different people have different philosophies of how to introduce people to the show. You know, I've heard people who say start with the Eleventh Doctor, um, or go back to, to old school episodes or whatever. But she wanted me to start with with the ninth doctor um and the first couple episodes were really awful but she had warned me about this she'd warned me they're cheesy but stick with it i promise you it's worth it and i trusted her so i did i stuck with it and really did fall in love with the doctor and fell in love with the show and uh have been enjoying and watching ever since um mm. including binging while breastfeeding babies because um, yeah. i've had in the past six years had two children so um you know, spending the time, especially the River Song storyline, which is one of my favourite storylines, oh, was we'll late nights yeah. in bed. Yeah, binging that. Um, yeah, so the Doctor, just to let you know, is an alien. He's what's called a Time Lord, and he's about a thousand years old, and he travels in time and space in this uh, spaceship called the TARDIS, which is bigger on the inside, and can travel through time and space, and he intervenes throughout history he yeah he saves the universe basically from evil and uh he often travels with a companion and he when he gets killed he just regenerates and transforms into a new body um the show started in 1963 so he's had now where are we what are we on 13 13 regenerations yes and also he's not one gender either because uh, the most recent incarnation is a woman, which is really exciting. And I'm really right. loving And that was such a surprise to hear Jodie Whittaker announced as the 13th Doctor, and she's just been fantastic. Yes, she has. Um, I think she's up there with my favourite Doctor, um, which is very difficult to do. And I think, actually, I want to explain to everyone, everyone kind of who watches the show kind of connects with one Doctor in particular. For whatever reason, you have your Doctor, who's kind of 
the one you connect with, empathise with, because although the Doctor is the same person, when they regenerate, they become different. Um, but they're still the same consciousness, the same history, the same memories, the same experiences, but in some in some sense they are different. And this is what we're gonna this is actually what we're gonna talk about today. One of the big things we're gonna talk about today, regeneration. Because when Becky and I were talking about this, we realized that when I talk about we talk about re- deconstruction and reconstruction on this show quite a lot, and the whole regeneration concept is very, very similar because um, it's all about part of you dying and then something new being born, but you're still the same person, but you've changed in very, very clear and decisive ways. So I hope that I've got that right. Have I? So yeah, I hope I explained it quite well. Um, yeah, you know. So here's one of my questions as I've been thinking about this topic as we've prepared for this show is, you know, anytime we're living life as a follower of Jesus, we're going to continue to be transformed. That's the whole part of it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that that God transforms us and that we become more and more like Jesus and more and more like God's always intended us to be as unique individuals, mm. being more human and more ourselves, the more we become like Jesus. And um, so there's, there's a part of Christianity that's always supposed to be transformational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking through that. What is the difference, do you think? Because I didn't settle on an answer. What is the difference between the transformation we should all continue to experience mm. as followers of Jesus um, and then the very distinct process of faith deconstruction and reconstruction, do you think? Oh, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, you see, I have this theory that deconstruction and reconstruction is part of the spiritual journey, that it's actually part of that journey, that Mm -hmm. um, it's part of our evolution, spiritual evolution, if you you think about it. I mean, part of us dies and part of us is born again. Mm -hmm. It's like being that phrase, born again. It's Mm -hmm. really weird how I've gone through deconstruction, how I've rediscovered these old phrases. Yeah from church in completely different ways <laughs> like being born again it's like like because when, when you're in the evangelical church it's kind of like when you're born again it's like oh you kind of just like you you're basically you're converted to christianity that's uh-huh. basically but now it's kind of like part of me is like the per- like the the part of me that was part of that group that was that believed those set of beliefs that was limited almost by that, by the constraints of that kind of that binary has mm-hmm. died. And what's left is, is really the spiritual side is the relationship with Jesus. What I've lost, I think in deconstruction is the religion and the, and churchianity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, the institutions and all of that stuff that are, that surrounds my faith, mm-hmm. the, that's become toxic in a way and painful. But the, my spirituality itself, my connection to Jesus, is deeper than it was. So I think it's... I don't think everyone will go through it. I think everyone can go through it. I think, if we, I think what happens, and this is what I've noticed in people, is you get to a point where you can choose to go through it. 
Hmm. You can choose to do a deconstruction and a reconstruction, even if you don't know what it actually is. Or you can just stay in certainty. And I know a lot of people who get to that point and they choose to stay in certainty because it's familiar, it's safe, because maybe they're in a tough spot and they don't want to have to go through all that um, because it's what they know, um, because that's the community that they're part of. And it works for them. I mean, you know, I've seen it work for people. Um, That's not my journey. I couldn't do that. I got to that point and I... I felt nothing I I couldn't stay where I was I I I had to move forward I I couldn't stay still what I you know the the boundaries that were around me couldn't couldn't hold me I I had to I had to I had to change I had to in a sense die and that was part of the journey for me um it's not that I I not that I lost my faith it's just that my faith became something different like it was literally like a regeneration. It was using the Doctor Who metaphor. It's like it's like the essence of who I am and the essence of my spirituality stayed, but the container for it completely changed. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, I'm still I'm still finding something new for that, you know. And it's like when the Doctor regenerates and he's just regenerated, he's still figuring out, or she is still figuring out who they are mm-hmm. like and you know what their body is and you know there's that that time when when they when he regenerates into 10 david Tennant, where he kind of does his mouth and figures out he's got new teeth and all this kind of thing you know and it's like he's figuring out his own body and new like teeth, new <laughs> teeth that was one of the lines that i wrote down that i wanted to make sure to reference because i think that's such a great illustration that yeah the new teeth ah what do i do with this new version of myself yeah and then he goes off on this this convert this round he's like oh i'm cheeky oh that's new like you know it's all that kind of thing and it's like it's really funny um because he just because he's still him but he's just discovering new parts of himself Mm-hmm. And, and again it's like that's something that I've discovered as I've got to know myself better which has been part of this process is that I, I I'm, I'm curious about things and interested in things and want to do things that I didn't think I was interested in like I've been writing down about kind of rebuilding my life and stuff and things I want to do and that I'm curious about and one of them is learning a language and I was like I never wanted to learn languages I was never I had no interest in that and now I kind of now I want to like, where did this come from? You know, it's like, because I think deconstruction or reconstruction is not just a faith process. It's a life process. I think it's something all of us go on in one sense or can mm-hmm. go on if we choose to. So in your perspective, then you would say the difference between transformation and reconstruction is really that they're kind of the same. Like, that we have the choice to be continually transformed at different stages of our spiritual journey. And that can look like a big or small um, reconstruction of our faith, that that's kind of equivalent to transformation. Yes, it is. But I think it's a different kind of, we can choose to be transformed in different ways. It's, it's again, it's like the doctor, the doctor often chooses the face that they have. There's this story Mm -hmm. where he saves this family in Pompeii and then two regenerations later, he chooses the face of the person he saved to remind himself who he is. Mm-hmm. It's like we choose, we choose our, we choose 
the way that we transform. Because, I, like I was saying, some people choose to stay in certainty. They choose to stay in the evangelical church, whatever you, whatever you want to choose, whatever you, example you want to use. They choose to stay there, but just change what they believe, or they change bits about how they interact with their relationship with God. They change little things, but and they do change, but it's a different kind of change. Other people choose mm-hmm. to, like me, I just had to let it all go. I had to... Mm-hmm. And I really felt that that was actually a prompting from God to do that. I got pictures and words and, like, you know, whatever word you want to call it. I, I felt a real prompting to go down that path. I had a picture of me at the top of this mountain with Jesus, I think it was Jesus, next to me saying, like, you need to go down there. And it was all these black clouds and I couldn't see below them this valley. And I had to choose to go down there. And it's like, you're gonna, this is going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. But this is where you need to go. And it's like, okay. So, and I could have said no at that point. I could have just said, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. don't want to do all of this stuff. Um, I'll just stay where I am. But I didn't. I chose to go down there. And, you know, I don't know if I'm still down there or not. <laughs> In a way. But um, mm-hmm. it's not as dark as it was. Um, what I, I think what I've learned is that you have the high the, the, the peaks are kind of shorter moments in our lives and a lot of the time we're down in the valley and we're living in the valley in a way but it doesn't have to be as dark or scary down there as we think it does mm-hmm. yeah my first sort of regeneration I think was not I didn't feel like it was optional I didn't feel like it was something I was called into I had no other choice because it was in the middle of a deep depression and sort of Mm -hmm. emotional breakdown and to rebuild everything was sort of felt like my only choice at that moment. But then I feel like sort of later steps of that journey were very much things I chose and pursued. Um, A couple of years ago, my first year of seminary, I wrote a paper for Dr. Scott McKnight, who's my seminary professor. Mm. And he had us write a paper on conversion and tell our own conversion story. And he's done sociological research on conversion. And um, in my paper, I mapped out four distinct conversion experiences I've had in my life. First, following Jesus when I was four years old, because that's I grew up steeped in Christianity. Um, but then this, this sort of depression and emotional breakdown in my 20s and my first real deconstruction of everything I had believed um, and converting to a... a a different type of Christianity that tried to be less American cultural Christianity and more really following Jesus and really finding emotional health and following Jesus. Um, and then further conversions beyond that, um, learning, uh, I moved from the U S to the Netherlands and I, um, started going and, and serving in leadership in an international church. And that changed so much about me because I was, confronted with global Christianity and um, people practicing their faith in such different ways and really learning how to accept that um, was a a conversion for me to understand the global church better. Um, And then a major thing I changed my mind on was um, women in church leadership. Mm. The tradition I grew up in uh, and and that's been my early 20s and did not affirm women in church leadership Um, And then really just about five years ago, um, I was confronted with some things that were just confusing and unclear. And I said, I need to dig into the Bible myself and see what it really says. And the more I studied the Bible, the more I became convinced that 
the Holy Spirit gifts women and men equally, and we're all free to serve in the church as we're called by the Spirit. And that was a huge change for me and led to my understanding that I was called to pastoral ministry and then started seminary. And that was really a deconstruction and reconstruction for me, very much a regeneration. Um, mm, yeah. And so I would say, you know, if I were the doctor, I'd be the fourth, the fourth doctor, the fourth Becky now <laughs> in, the, yeah, I mean, in my process. I, yeah, it's interesting when you think of it like that, because I, I think I've had major moments in my life which have changed my life forever. When I was eight years old, my mum had an asthma attack, which she lost her short-term memory, and that mm-hmm. changed my... That that was the pivot, almost, for the rest of my life, in a way. So you could call that the first regeneration when I was eight years old. Um, and then I think... Well, just just to make the Doctor Who connection there, um, yeah. River Song, yeah. the little girl then regenerating in the spacesuit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about River Song in a minute because I love River Song. She's I do my, too. She's one of my favorite. She's probably my favorite female character outside the 13th Doctor. Um, but um, yes. And then I think when I, when I left school to go to university, that was, and I'd just become a, like a Christian. I'd made a decision. That was a big deal, a big shift. Then my mum dying was another one, I think. Um, that was huge and then I would have said I did a gap year with YWAM where I kind of discovered my call to write and where I discovered that side of myself where I was humbled had learned a lot of lessons about myself and taken down a peg or two where I needed to be Um, that was another one and I think finding a church in 2005 reading Velvet Elvis, realising that all these doubts and questions I had were okay, was another big moment. So what are we on now? Six? Um, (laughs) um, Five or six. And I think then I had a long period where I was just in that church growing and stuff. And then I think writing my first few books ebooks and things like that and growing a blog and starting all that kind of thing and really getting into professional writing and things around about 2013 I think that was another moment I think and then uh, I think then obviously then it's two three three years ago I had this moment where I was and I said this told this story a lot if you listen to this podcast you'll know this story I was at a home group and I have no idea what we were talking about, but I started talking about frustrations and things that were building up inside of me um, from my past, issues that I hadn't dealt with. And it just, I physically felt myself pinned to this sofa and all this stuff was just coming out of me. Like I was just speaking it all out and it was like, but it was also coming out of me physically. I could feel it in my like my heart. It, it was just, it was like an almost like an exorcism. And it was at that point that I kind of my home group leader said they'd been praying for me and they'd seen this in me and they wanted it to to come out. Um, and that's when I realised I needed to get some support. And that's when I kind of got that picture of going down the mountain and like you need to confront your past because it's 
because it's controlling you you know um it was yeah it was like when the doctor the 10th doctor was gonna was gonna regenerate but he kind of delayed it by traveling around and (laughs) seeing all his old friends and all that kind of thing he tried to put it off as long as possible you know and it was it's like i've been putting off something for for 20 years and that's when i started seeing spiritual director mindset coach all of that kind of thing um that process um and then I kind of left I left my job and I launched my book and I, and I and that all kind of happened. I don't know whether that's part of the same generation or regeneration or not. I mean it's if you want to use that metaphor it could be because that 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 kind of took me to almost losing my home which kind of stripped me down to the absolute like bare bones of who I was and like it was like a death letting go of all of that and then I found this job that I'm in now. So I could be on my ninth or tenth, <laughs> like regeneration. It would be cool if it was the tenth because tenth is my favourite doctor. So, um, but um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to see your life like that. You know, the different seasons of life. Because like, how often do we do we look back at our lives five or ten years ago and think I can't believe the person that I was then? Like, yeah. you know, and I when I when I chose to go down that path three years ago, I had no idea that it would lead me where I am now I had no idea that it would lead me to leave the church that I was part of and find another community I had no idea where that it would take me to this place now in terms of my spirituality and my relationship with Jesus I I didn't have a clue I I didn't think it would I think I thought it would just it would just be it would just be um you know getting spiritual direction and therapy and and kind of dealing with my past and getting healing from that and it part of it was that but in doing that I kind of deconstructed my whole self mm-hmm. and and like so it was stri- everything was stripped away and so suddenly it was it was it was much more than that that was almost the way in um to that journey for me so yeah it is a, that's a really interesting way to look at regeneration in the, in the we have seasons of life and we go from one to the other and we have big moments which define it and those can be like regenerations. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about sitting on the couch and sort of feeling everything pour out of you, the picture that comes to mind is um, when the doctor regenerates, um, he releases this sort of golden energy, this cloud Mm. of light that sort of comes off, comes out Mm. Um, and then it sort of in this big ball of, of light regenerates and then steps out of that light as a new person. But that's what it reminds me of when you're talking about that. It's that regeneration energy that just started pouring out of you because the change was inevitable. You couldn't put it off anymore. It had to happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you could even say that I'd not regenerated for 20 years, you know, that, that I'd kind of been killed when my mum died. Um, but just did just not acknowledged it for 20 years you know that's the alternative way of looking at it in which case i'd be on about my fourth regeneration um but yeah i mean th- that's definitely true that feels like that I-, I i like that way of looking at it because it, that's what it was that was a huge moment in my life mm-hmm. um and that i think that probably led to everything else that followed mm. even though they weren't directly linked they probably were on some subconscious level because 
Um, after that, I decided to leave my job. And then that led me to the being everything being stripped away and almost losing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and, and launching my book and it maybe not working out as well as I wanted to. And all that stuff and ego and ambition being kind of, that had controlled me being exposed and stripped away. So in many ways, you know, that was the moment that triggered all of that, you know. And it's, well, it's why I'm where I am now, you know. So, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and like you said, it's, um, it's, it's, it involves a death. The doctor dies and then regenerates. Regeneration doesn't happen until a death. And that's painful. And I think when we go through a, a huge transformation like that, part of us dies. The old has to die to give away to the new, whether it's our first conversion to following Jesus and we're baptized and we are dead to our old self and alive in Christ. Um, but I think future transformations, it's always choosing to let something die, to let something else live. And I think that's so much a part of Christianity is, you know, unless the seed falls to the ground and and dies, Mm. something new can't grow. So I think one of the things that stands out to me about regeneration is that it, it does involve a death and that it can be painful. And we see the different doctors are more willing or less willing, depending on the personality, to go through it. One of the most heartbreaking moments to me in any Doctor Who episode is when the 10th Doctor oh. is finally about to regenerate. Oh, and yeah. he just says, I don't want to go. Yeah, that's it's right. It's just devastating every time I see it. I can't, I can't watch that without crying. Right. I, I can't watch that. That just destroys me, like, emotionally. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, I was crying. It was just... It's just this kind of, and it, the thing is, the reason that happens is because he wants, because there's this guy trapped in this nuclear generator and the only way to save him is to go in there himself. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have to go in there because he thinks he's destined to die and then he doesn't. But then he sees this guy he has, and he thinks, well, I, I, I have to save him. To be true to who I am, I have to save him, even if it means dying. Like, you know, and it's just, you know, and so he just has this like this and he just he just does it almost. He doesn't even even stop to consider it. He just does it. He doesn't give him a choice. He he doesn't give him a choice. Yeah, he just that's it because it's who he is. And he knows the consequence of it, but he does it anyway. And that's a that's a just like a and he doesn't even want to. Like, I don't want to go, you know, Um but he does it anyway, and that's powerful. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. And other times it seems like the doctor's more willing. I mean, Eleven goes into it a little bit more like, isn't he the one who says, I'll always remember when I was the doctor, or when the doctor was me. Yes, so the, I think that's right. right. And, it just sort of, and that's more his personality. Like, he just approaches it like it was a good time, and it's over. And this was fun, and I loved being this me, but I'm looking forward to being the next me, and I'll always remember when the doctor was me. And it's just... A different personality, a different way of approaching. Yeah, it's yes, it is. It, it's always, yeah, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The different doctors approach death in different ways. Uh, yeah, with the twelfth doctor, it was like he wanted to die, but he wanted to be different. He was like, I don't want to be this version of me anymore. Like, I've had enough, 
you know, can I just, in a sense, he didn't want to regenerate. He was like, he was saying like, do I have to regenerate? Do I have to keep going? You know, and, and then it was like, it was almost seeing his first self, the, the person he was right at the beginning, he was like, okay, I do want to go on, but I don't want to go on like this. I want to be something completely different. And then he becomes a woman. Right, um, I was going to say, do you think that's why the regeneration was so drastic? Yeah, well, I think obviously they knew it was going to be a woman. They'd already cast the act, the actress to, to play the Doctor. So they had to write it that way. But I think it was... I think it was very apt because it was such a dramatic shift to have a woman playing the role for the first time. For when you know, the show started over 50 years ago, you know, and to have a woman playing that role for the first time was a dramatic shift. So something dramatic had to happen for, 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 for them to go there. And that's what happened, you know, it was, and it was done really, really well, you know, and he just, he was dying for a long time again, and then eventually just let it happen. So, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was interesting how people approach death. Mm-hmm. And yeah, both physical death as we reach the end of life and think about mortality, but mm. also those little deaths along the way of giving up part of who we are to become someone new. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Because that's an, again, and that's an ongoing process that we go through through the whole of life it's you know we parts of us die and parts of us stay and and again i mean the, the thing that's the other thing with the companions the doctor has lots of companions who he travels with for maybe a few years and then they leave him or they die or you know they don't travel with him forever because most of them don't live as long as he does anyway you know, as there's somebody, I think River Song said, the Doctor doesn't like endings. Yes. They don't want to see people get old and die. They don't. They want to. They don't want to see it. You know, it's he doesn't want to see it because it's too painful. Because he's lived so long, or she's lived so long, and they've seen so much of it, and they'd rather just avoid it. You know, and you know that's a point I hadn't thought of when I was sort of thinking through some of the comparisons. Is about the companions, the doctor changes companions as the doctor changes faces and personalities. And some companions make it through the regeneration. Like the doctor regenerates and then stays with the same friends and companions for more adventures, mm. though their dynamic changes a little. But then yes. other times, um, the doctor completely changes companions along with the regeneration. And how do you think that compares to I mean, how our friends and family members cope with our changes and whether they can stay with us through our regenerations yeah that's right because again you have friends who are friends for certain periods of life and then you don't see them anymore like i mean in my i've left my church my old church and although those people that i know in that church are still i would still call them friends but we're not close friends anymore we're not you know we're not in confidence with each other anymore we're not in regular contact with each other anymore you know they they probably don't know who I am now in a sense there's parts of me they just don't know about because I've changed and that's that's very similar to what happens with the doctor and then you know there are people who are who will always be close friends no matter what happens with me so I've got a friend who I've known for 30 years I've got my best friend who I've known for like 13 14 15 years and we'll still be close friends till the day we die you know and if you get married 
generally, you, if, you, if you stay with that person, then they see you through all the different seasons of life. Um, and they change as well as you. You both change. And hopefully, if you've got a healthy marriage, you change together. You know, you do that, you know, your partners. And yeah, so there is an interesting aspect of that as well because, um, yeah, the doctor does. There are some companions who change with the doctor and some companions who stay with multiple doctors. And, uh, right, and some of them, and it, so the doctor completely changes appearance, face, height, body type, way of dressing, and some people don't recognize the doctor. They've seen the doctor before, but they don't recognize the doctor in the new form. But then some do, and that might be a good time to talk about River Song, because yes. when River sees, so River um, had spent more time with Eleven, but when she sees Ten for the first time, I feel like we need to explain River's timeline, but it's really complicated. Yeah. Because they're time travelers, um, this character River Song and the Doctor, their their timelines sort of go in reverse of each other. Yes, that's right. Because so that's the simple first, way to explain it. So the first time that the, the Doctor meets River Song is the last time that River Song meets the Doctor. Right, and, and in that moment when she meets him, though she had never seen that face before, she looks at him, she recognizes him, and she just gets up so close and she looks at him and she says, oh, you're so young. Yeah. I've never seen you so young before. And so she, she loves him and she knows him and she recognizes yes. even in a different form. Yes, and, she, and the interesting thing is she, she can tell in his eyes that he's not the doctor that she, her doctor in a sense. Right. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like the age, like the, the like it's it's kind of she can't she can see that the years aren't there, the 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 pain the you know, the trauma the experiences that the, the the next doctor has that she knows are not there in him like he's not had those experiences, you know and it's really interesting that when you look in, like we talk about her looking in somebody's eyes and you can see depth in their in their eyes like a story in their eyes like something about which is reflected in that and it, she can see that she can see that in the doctor like and often and there's the, 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 the one i was reminded of actually was um sarah jane smith when the doctor goes to the school um, because sarah jane smith traveled with the doctor a long time ago and then then the, the doctor goes to this school to sort out some alien problem at the school and then she sees him again and she knows who he is, even though it's not the doctor that she traveled with, because she can tell. She can just tell something in him. Just, yeah, she just knows. She just knows it's him, even though it doesn't look like the doctor that she traveled with, because sometimes you can tell. Um, it's a really interesting dynamic. But River Song, yes, River Song is interesting because she is. She's a time traveller like the Doctor, but um, she's the Doctor's wife. She's kind of the love of, doctor's li of the Doctor's life. and But they just they never get any time together. It's like they're having adventures together and they, they, they've got banter and they're sparking off each other and they're, you know. And you can see the, like, the chemistry and, and, and um, Alex Kingston, who plays it, plays it so well. As well. And I love like, I love the scenes where she knows that they're in love because she's been to that part of their story together, but he doesn't know it yet because he hasn't hit that part of his own timeline. And so she yeah. tries so hard 
not to spoil his future for him. And that's kind of her, her tagline is no spoilers. And, um, yes, nice those moments when her love for him just transcends his even understanding of what's going on. Yes, that's right. And I, I think one of my favorite scenes is the last scene, actually, when they're together at the, um, the singing towers, singing of towers of Drillium. Yeah. And, and they, it's like, and she, and it's like he's, he knows they've got one, one night there. Yeah. But then he tells her, oh, one night is twenty-four years. So it's like, oh my god, I was like, oh my god, they've actually got twenty-four years to be together. Like they've actually got kind of a lifetime to be together before she has to go to the library. Because right. if you watch the show, you know that that first time we see her is where she's going next. Right. Like, and I think some geeky fans have arranged episodes in order of her timeline and it's all over the place because it's you know it's it ends with the 10th doctor and it starts with the 12th doctor you know mm-hmm. i still would like to see her meet the uh, 13th doctor because i, think I am dying for her to i would love it it's so I awesome really, i need that episode to happen it would be so awesome to see if she recognized her <laughs> uh, of course you will i had to see what the 13th doctor would how they how she would react it would be a bit weird but um I think that would be an awesome episode if they could do if they could find a way to do that. That would be fantastic. I would really um, love that. I'd also like to see an episode with the thirteenth Doctor and the tenth Doctor and the ninth Doctor as well. Because I that, think would be, that would be that would be fascinating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking anyway, about yes. <laughs> these friends and these companions and and the people in our lives and and you like. Those who really love us can still love us on the other side of a regeneration, a reconstruction. Um, but certainly I've had people say to me, you're, you're different now. I, I hardly recognize you anymore. You've changed so much. And that's, that bothers them. That's like almost yeah. offensive or like personally challenging. Um, and I appreciate the friends who have known all the me's or at least several of my iterations and love me because I'm still me, even though I've changed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. Um, and I have people in my life like that. I think there are some people that I have in my life who still talk to me like I'm the person that I was before. Right. And that's kind of frustrating because I'm not that person anymore. I mean, how often do we say that phrase? I'm not, that person anymore like and that plays in entirely to the whole regeneration concept that you're literally not that person anymore i'm still i'm still james but i'm not that that james you know you know i mean it's such a great metaphor for the journey of life you know regeneration and i love that the doctor um still retains the essence of who they are even though a lot of things change and it's it's funny to see the the plays on that of, of the differences and the things that are the same like um eleven saying oh am i a ginger now i've always wanted to be a ginger and still disappointed ah oh, still not a ginger or like you said um new the new teeth or the 12th doctor realizing oh i'm scottish now okay um <laughs> yeah. or, or then you know the, the 12th doctor regenerating and running into someone and saying why, why did you just call me ma'am well because you're a woman <laughs> What am I? <laughs> it's so awesome that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, so there's, those, there's those differences yes. um, that are funny and they play up to great comedic effect, but then there's, they're still the same. Um, there was, um, 
which episode? One of the episodes this season, um, the the demons of Punjab, where the doctor confronts the aliens and says, these people are under my protection now. And that's kind of a theme for the doctor. Mm. These people are under my protection. And if you want to get to them, you have to come through me. And that is always the core of the doctor's character, no matter what else changes. Yeah, like almost the rage of the doctor. Like, you don't cross me, basically. Like, I'm, you know, the kind of, I'm, I'm in charge. I protect these people. If you want to hurt these people, you've got to get past me first. Like, you know, the, the protector, the, you know, the, the guardian, um, this kind of, yeah, of the, of, of the universe, you know, and in a way that's godlike, you know, there's, there's a godlike element to the doctor. Um, but there's also a very human element to the doctor, um, as well. Yeah. The humanness of, of the show always astounds me. Um, that it takes a, a Gallifreyan alien with two hearts to show us what being human is. Mm, yeah. There's a Jesus metaphor there, isn't there? I think. Right. Yeah. It takes, it takes a, an incarnate God to show us what being human really is. Yeah. It, 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 the, I mean, it is, it, it's really, it's interesting because he, sometimes he sacrifices his life to save other people as well. And then he comes back. Right. But he's not the same but he's not the same as he was before. So there you mm-hmm. go, regeneration can be resurrection as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um But I, again I would say that metaphor of resurrection is is like again another word you could use for reconstruction. It's mm-hmm. that whole process of deconstruction and reconstruction is like a death and resurrection in mm-hmm. a way. I mean it's all it's all kind of connected. That's why I love this show. <laughs> I know, you just keep plumbing the depths. Um, that caring for other people that we just talked about, that sort of protector, the rage of the doctor is is always generated toward justice and, and protection. It's not like, mm. it's never a selfish rage. No. It's always a rage on behalf of others, which that kind of caring for others, um, I think is very much like Jesus. It's very much like the prophets. Um, and... I've noticed that a lot of people I know who've gone through a faith deconstruction and reconstruction process, one of the elements that we have in common, though they may go many different directions with the stream of Christianity they follow or leaving the faith altogether because they've been so damaged, um, understandably. But the, the theme I've seen is that they tend to be very concerned with protecting vulnerable people. Um, a lot of the people I've watched go through deconstruction in the process came to care more for marginalized people, oppressed people, victims, um, than they did before the process. And so that's another thing I see that's so core to the doctor's character. And I found that to be true. Every time I've sort of reconstructed, I've regenerated with more care for, um, protecting the vulnerable, I've definitely been, that's definitely been my experience because going through this journey, I felt a, especially now I'm kind of coming out the other end in a sense. I'm kind of just finding my, I'm just beginning to get used to my new body. If you want to make sense, that makes sense. Figure mm-hmm. out who I am. I'm still in that, that part of it, but I'm, I'm now feeling this urge, this desire to create things that will help other people who are on the same journey who have been where who are where i have been to pass like to pass on what i've learned 
as mm-hmm. Yoda would say, um, to bring in another sci-fi reference, right. to pass on what I've learned, you know, and and more empathy for those people who are going through that, people in the mental health community, people um, who have gone through a spiritual reconstruction and deconstruction um, process or are in the midst of it, people who are struggling yeah. with church, people who are wanting to leave church. <laughs> Yeah, people who've suffered clergy sexual abuse or spiritual abuse or mm. spiritual leaders who've handled mental health. Yeah. Uh, it just it does increase your empathy. And I think for me, the reason for that, one of the reasons for that was because it that process, I journeyed into myself right to the heart of myself. I journeyed to, almost to my dark side. I confronted it to the pain and the wounds and the the trauma that I had experienced and how it affected me, and that was dark. But seeing that in myself and coming to terms with it and getting forgiveness and healing and for all of that gives you, and actually experiencing it all over again, because when you go there, you feel it all over again, and it's it's not easy at all. Um, it gives you more empathy for other people who have been through the same thing. And I mean, that's the same with everything. If you know, who are the people that start cancer charities? It's people that have been through cancer. You know, yeah. who are the people that you know that um, start all these that start charities for any kind of cause? It's people who've been through it, generally, because they want to help other people who've been who who are going through it. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and the, the doctor. doctor yeah. No, I think we're going to say the same thing. The doctor has lost so many people, and he's had to do so many awful things Mm. that he wants to, he doesn't want other people to have to go through that. He doesn't want other people to have to suffer what he suffered or she suffered. Mm. You know, it's, it's, you know, but anyway, what were you going to say? Well, also the doctor, um, the doctor is a fearsome figure to those who would hurt or oppress others. Yeah. The doctor is terrifying. The doctor is powerful and brilliant and strong and defeats all enemies. But to people who are vulnerable, the doctor is friendly and safe and comforting and a protector. And I think to some extent, that's what I've become through my reconstruction process. And that's who I want to become more. And that's who I think Jesus is. I think Jesus is the justice bringer to the oppressors and the liberator of the oppressed. And the doctor is that. And that's what I want to be like. There's a quote about the doctor that I love that uh, was about the 10th doctor in the family of blood. Uh, there was the two episodes, mm, family blood, that. I don't remember the name of the other one, but this little boy says about the yeah, 10th doctor, but I like to update it now that the doctor is a woman. Cause he, this little boy talks about he to describe the doctor, but I like oh, to, Oh yes. I, like I love to, that phrase. I like, he, yes. She, She's like fire and ice and rage. She's like the night and the storm and the heart of the sun. She's ancient and forever. She burns at the center of time and she can see the turn of the universe. And she's wonderful. I love that phrase. I I actually feel like that is more powerful when it's a she. Yeah. For some reason. I, I, I mean, honestly, I think we get a lot of those kind of phrases come out about it with masculine masculine terminology i think and it is powerful still even with the masculine slant to it but when i when i when i saw that because you shared that on social media Mm -hmm. and i saw it and i was like oh my god i was almost in tears it was like yes yes this is going to be so empowering for women this is so good 
you know, this is why we needed a female doctor, you know, because it's just like so empowering for women. Like the, this is why it's been so great to have films like Wonder Woman and like The Hunger Games, where you have strong female leads, you know, and it's just so so great that women are getting these role models to show them what they can be. Like, because I'm really passionate about gender equality and empowering women and I believe that's something that Jesus did as well and I think yeah so it's just so great to have that and that is just incredible I just love that about her and that really resonates with me because that's who I want to be I want to be fire and ice and rage but I also want to be wonderful Mm. I want to be safe and nurturing and be a spiritual mother to people Um, but I also want to be a brick wall that stands in the way of of someone who would hurt other people. Um, and so that core of the doctor's character just resonates with me so much. And I've always been that ever since I was a kid. And in all of my reconstructions since then, that core of caring about people and standing up for people, especially standing up for vulnerable women has always been a part of, of who I am. That hasn't changed. I've just changed how I go about it. I don't know that I, I would have pictured myself being a pastor, when I was a teenager, um, or even a young adult. Mm. Um, but now this sort of new, new generation of me is, is in seminary and preparing for ordination. So now I'm, I'm a defender of the defenseless people who struggle with mental health, people who've been spiritually abused or victims of sexual abuse, standing up for them as a clergy Mm. person. Um, so I really, I just resonate so much with that about the doctor that that I want to be a protector and a defender and a fearsome enemy and foe. Um, and that has stuck with me through all of my various transformations. Yeah, and I think, I feel, I feel something similar. And I think, I think what's resonated, I think the two areas that's resonated this for me is, is people with mental health issues, people who are going through this journey of deconstruction and reconstruction, people who, um, who are vulnerable and getting manipulated um, or have been hurt by the church mm-hmm. and I kind of want to stand up for them and but also I think becoming an uncle for me was I felt like this sense of wanting to be a protector for my niece and nephew as well and wanting to make create a world for them that wasn't as bad as the one that I grew up in maybe or the one that had hurt me and wanted to make it safe for them um so I kind of that's why I feel because I'm I'm not a parent but I am very close to my niece and nephew and you know it's you know I do feel that kind of parental response not responsibility but I empathize with the kind of parental responsibility of that my, my sister has you know and um and yeah, I just feel like that, that urge to protect and make this world better for them, you know? And I'm sure you feel that with your children as well. Yeah, and, and other kids that aren't related to me also. But yeah, that sense of, I want to protect other people from what hurt me. Yeah. And like you said, that that is something the doctor wants as well. And I, one of my favorite scenes of all time is the doctor dances in the very first series of the reboot when when the doctor says everybody lives 
this time everybody lives um, because the doctor sees so much death. Like for this once to have the win where nobody dies um, hmm. is a celebration scene for the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of, not today, not today, not tonight. Not, as in, yeah. it's like, there's this one episode where he refuses to let people, like this is not going to happen today. This is I'm just refusing to let this happen no matter what. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the episode. I wish I could. But he, it's just kind of like, no, enough. Enough. I'm not doing this anymore. People are not going to die. <laughs> I'm not going to let this happen. Um, and there's that, there's that rage, you know. It's like this, but it's rage in defence of people. It's rage to help people. It's rage loving. It's kind of rage that's created by love that's you know that's that's it's it's not kind of selfish mindless uncontrollable rage it's not hatred it's it's kind of this desire to make the world better for people and protect people from harm rage that's created by love i that is a that's just a wonderful phrase i i'm gonna hold on to that one i love that rage that's created by love i really like that yeah, I mean, I remember a, a talk that I went to where a, um, a pastor spoke about a daughter that he has with mental health problems and how he, she was being treated by local authorities and about the rage that he felt towards them. And that rage came from love because he would not stand for her being treated that way. And in a sense, that's... It's different. For, I wouldn't call it a rage that's that's, a, that's uncontrollable, mindless, evil, malicious, violent. Even um, it's 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 not born out of deceit and hatred. It's it's like it's just this refu- this kind of refusal to let the darkness win. Mm-hmm. This fierce love for somebody like that. You know, I will stand for you no matter what. I will protect you no matter what it takes. This is not this is not right and I will not let it stand. You know. And I kind of love that. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah, they use that light and darkness imagery in um it's a few episodes ago this season when they're on the, they're on the medical transport ship. Yes. Um at the end um the one of the crew personnel says to the doctor you you were light in a dark place for us and then there's that whole sort of funeral service at the end where they talk about light and darkness and that imagery of sending someone off yeah and yeah yeah absolutely and i i could uh the number of quotes that i've that i've put on social media (laughs) um to do with doctor who it's just um it's not even funny you know i mean i there's so many. I wish I could find them all and 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 read them all to you because there's so many great quotes from 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 Doctor Who, which which are so inspiring, you know. And I think there was one in the episode, the most recent episode, the one that I saw today. If you want to understand the mysteries of existence, begin with the heart. Um, that's from the most recent episode, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, yeah. So it's kind of all about love, you know. There's so much in this new series about love and love being the centre of everything. And there was an episode with um, in India mm-hmm. where there's this marriage and she talks about love. And I can't remember what, again, I can't remember what she said, but 
um, it was just there's just so many. Like, I mean, if you go want to find that want to find them out, I'd recommend going to Twitter and looking up Doctor Who Jeffs because, like, that they've got all of them are there. You know, it's it, you know we, we we have these GIF conversations all the time with great Doctor Who quotes and pictures and things. Um, it's 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 just amazing. There is a Doctor Who response for everything <laughs> I find on Twitter. Oh, yes, absolutely. That was one just there. <laughs> um, so you were talking about the doctor. We were talking about the doctor's enemies. And so I had I had a thought. So the doctor's enemies, in a sense, regenerate, too, because so one of the doctor's arch nemeses is another survivor from Gallifrey, the master. Yes. Who also regenerates. And so that's an interesting plot line. And actually, the master was the one who showed us that a Time Lord um, can change gender because the master regenerated into Missy yes. uh, a few seasons ago. And um, so the doctor's enemy regenerates. And then the doctor has some, some of the same enemies over a long period of time, like the Daleks and the Cybermen. Um, so do you think that our, is there an analogy there? Do our enemies regenerate too do you have a sense of like your foes or your mm. opponents that have sort of come through your transformations with you and still plague your life i think that's very true i think the demons that are with you they're always with you like your past like i will always have a wound from losing my mum mm-hmm. i will always have the wound from my trauma my childhood trauma home i will always have the scars from from those experiences they will always impact me in a way um but as i get older and as i regenerate and grow and confront those demons i know them better and Mm. i know how to manage them better i know how to live with them better i know it's like the doctor like the doctor and the master is an interesting one because over time we've seen in the new the new kind of the new series since 2005 the doctor has kind of got to know the master they've had a relationship and they've got to know each other and kind of in a like the last time we saw them we saw missy they were almost not it wasn't like they were like sworn enemies anymore they were kind of Mm -hmm. like people who love to hate each other you know it was like they were almost frenemies yeah it was like this is just who i am i'm going to do this but it wasn't out of hatred for the doctor it was just this is how we do things and And the doctor's compassion for the master has always stood out to me that the doctor moves from a place of really loving your enemy which honestly is one of the things i struggle the most with as a christian and i see such a good example of that in the doctor of what it means to love your enemies and to bless those who curse you to turn the other cheek. Um, cause the doctor does continue to do that with, with the master and, and with Missy and ultimately hoping for the master's salvation, almost hoping yes. for the, the master to become good. Yeah. Really. There's, there's that one episode where the master gets shot. Um, and, but the doc, when the doctor's just beaten him, he says, like, there's one thing you don't want me to say to you. There's one thing you don't want me to say to you. And he keeps trying to stop him saying it to him. And eventually he gets him and he says, I forgive you. 
Mm-hmm. And he just grabs, hugs him almost, and just says, I forgive you. And it's like that's the one thing the master doesn't want to hear. It's the thing he wants to hear the least. And in a sense, it's like the master hasn't forgiven himself, and he doesn't want to be forgiven. Like, he can't, almost can't bear to hear it. And the doctor just says, I forgive you. Like, And it's like, well, now I think about it, it's almost like a metaphor for when Jesus comes to us and says, I forgive you. Like, you know, we don't want to be forgiven. It's like, oh, no, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be forgiven for what I did or for what I said or how I treated that person. But it's like, I forgive you. Like, and it's, that's, a, oh, yeah, wow. It's amazing what you see when you actually start to look, isn't it? Right. You know, it's funny. I I feel like I've been wrestling for weeks or even months with this. What does it really mean to love our enemies? Um, yeah, me too. And actually, this this is giving me some some good insight <laughs> to that thing. I've been kind of turning over in my head. I'm not kind of pondering that. Like, huh, how does the doctor teach us to love our enemies? Yeah, and he forgives him. He forgives him. Yeah. All the things that he's done to him. Like, he put him right. in a cage. He put this thing on him where he aged, he physically aged him. To like this, to this thousand-year-old man, and he—he's he, just done so many cool things to him, and he's, but the doctor—the doctor still forgives him and still has hope for him that he can—they can travel together, right? And go and do really great things in the universe together and save people together. Like it's like he sees what the master could become and hopes that for him. Yes. Yeah. And that's a metaphor, I think, for God's relationship with us. That they see that He sees what we can be, and will never give up on us, and forgive us. A, a, a metaphor for I think how we can look at at our enemies. Yes, is absolutely. Yes, see what they could become if they were willing to to change, if they were willing to themselves be reborn, to be reconstructed or to be regenerated, what they could become and to hope that for them and to keep hoping that, um, but also to stop them from hurting others in the process. And I think that's, um, something that Christians mishandle is forgiveness. Um, sometimes like giving Mm. really wicked people a pass to keep doing evil things, under the guise of forgiveness. But I think the doctor's kind of love says, I'm not going to let you hurt anyone. I have to stop you. I know you're going to fight me, but I have to stop you. I'm going to protect these people. I will not let you do evil things, but I still continue to forgive you. And I still continue to hope that you're going to change, but also I'm going to protect people. And I think that's um, a healthier approach maybe for us to, to see our enemies is to say, okay, you're hurting others and I'm not going to let you, but I have hope that you're going to change. And I believe in your, your ability to that is beautiful isn't it in a way because even later doctors and later masters or missies the relationship's still been the same it's the doctor forgives them has hope for them wants them to change believes they can change but will still do anything they can to stop them from doing evil things Mm. and that never changes in a sense all through the regenerations and it's yeah, and that, 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 that's how we should be with our enemies. This is really deep. This is actually getting a lot more deep than I can It is, it is really deep, isn't it? Yeah, it's really um, And it's, uh, the other thing I know, the, the, the master, the, um, there's an episode where the master gets shot, the same episode, and they refuse to regenerate. He refuses right. to regenerate. He just says, no, I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm going to die. I'd rather die than regenerate. 
And yet, and the doctor's begging, no, please, you're the last one. Yeah. Don't leave me alone. Like, please regenerate. Yeah, and it's. But I was thinking that people who don't want to change, people who get trapped in their lives and don't and don't change at all, and get stuck in the kind of dualistic way of believing and get stuck in certainty and even though that works for some people when you when you've already regenerated and gone through deconstruction and reconstruction and then you see other people who could go through that and change and be free and they refuse to do it and they want to just stay where they are stay trapped in the the pain that they're in Mm -hmm. and let it destroy them that that's really painful like that's that moment that's what's happening in that moment when the doctor is with the master like he's like he's seeing all the potential of, mm-hmm. like what could happen if you let yourself regenerate this is what could happen but he's like no i don't want to <laughs> i'd rather die <laughs> you know um because at least i have control because when you go through deconstruction and reconstruction a lot, a lot of it is about surrender and it's about letting go it's about letting go of the past it's about letting go of control of your life and actually saying I'm willing to go through whatever this process does to me like for me that was that was the choice I made I didn't know what was going to happen to me I didn't know how this was going to change me this process but I chose to let it happen you know I chose to die and regenerate and um, yeah well we've gone really deep today this is like you have time to sort of wrap it up with a few um light-hearted on the geeky side questions yes this has been great this has like been like you've been it's almost like you've been interviewing me today it's been really great fun (laughs) (laughs) okay i have a few more questions no go for it i love it yeah it's fantastic okay favorite doctor oh that's easy um 10 david tennant He's my doctor. He'll always be my doctor. I mean, I love the new doctor. I love the 13th doctor. She's probably my second favourite. And it's very, very close to being my favourite. And she reminds me of the 10th doctor. But the 10th doctor is my... He'll always be my doctor. And I think one of the... I don't know. There's so many reasons. But one of the reasons is that the 10th doctor is kind of like a lonely god in many ways. He has Mm. all these people who love him. But he's always on his own. He's always a bit of a... He always feels like he's... He, he's got people who love him, but he hasn't got anyone who's just his. And that mm-hmm. resonates with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really connect with that with him. And I just love him anyway. So, yes, 10th Doctor. Favourite episode? Oh, wow. I know, it's hard. Oh, it's between, one. I think it's between two. Okay. The Girl in the Fireplace... And Blink, I think. Interesting. Uh, those are both Doctor Light episodes. There's uh, not a lot of the Doctor in those. Oh, the girl in the fireplace. He's in it quite a lot. He's in more, but it's it's. I mean, in, in uh, some ways, it's her story, and Blink the same as a woman's story, with the Doctor sort of popping in and out. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're. Um, I think. I love. I mean, I love um, the one in the library. Um, I count that as one episode, really, because it's one story. Right, uh, Silence of the... Silence, yeah, uh, Silence um, of the Dead and the... Yeah. The Forest of... Oh, man, now I'm well, missing... Yeah, I know you, the two-part episode with River Song, yeah. Yeah, the first time he meets River Song. I love that. Um, Daleks Take Manhattan. I love that one, too. Um, not the Daleks Take Manhattan. The, the, no, it was not the Daleks Take Manhattan, is the it? Angels, the Angels. The Angels Take, take Manhattan. 
Um, there is one about the Daleks in Manhattan, but it's, that's not the one I'm referring to. Um, and I've got to say, I love the one about Rosa Parks. Yes, absolute just, favorite so far this season. Just stunning. Just, and I think oh, yeah. if any of you listening are not Doctor Who fans and you've made it this far, watch that episode, the Rosa Parks episode of this season, because it's stunning and it really stands alone on its own, even if you don't know the show. Yes. Yes, and one of the one of the reasons that Doctor Who was created was to be an educational tool for children. That's why one of the reasons it was created. And that this kind of goes this this series has gone back to that a bit because we've had episodes we've had a, that, that that episode Rosa Parks. We had one um set during the partition of India um which was really important now when we're talking about immigration a lot, you know, we're talking about, um, kind of that that's a, that was, that's a huge episode and there's there's a lot of other episodes which are which are historical episodes Vincent that's another one of my favorite ones Vincent uh, and the Doctor I was hoping you would say that one I was going to bring it up yeah. if you didn't Vincent and the, Go- the Doctor is my all-time favorite episode like as a writer as well when like that moment where at the end he takes him around the gallery because he brings him I into just, the future and he's like wow. he's he's seeing all these work and he's seeing all these people looking at his work and this guy and this curator talking about him being the greatest painter of all time and he's in tears and I'm like oh my god <laughs> you know like you I can't, cry every time you I cannot, see that you cannot be failed to be moved by that episode you just, as you're, if you're human you will be moved you know but as a writer as well kind of someone who doesn't who hasn't always believed in his own work that kind of reminds me to just keep going you know in a way so yeah they're and my, the my favourite the way it deals with mental illness is so yes, powerful absolutely um, yeah I agree so yeah. touching. And um, this is a side note, but um, I just watched Nanette the other night, the comedy special with Hannah Gadsby. Oh, and yeah. she, she studied art history. And so she has this beautiful bit about Van Gogh and his art and his mental illness in, in the show. So just, I, I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it yet. Awesome. Awesome. So what's the next question? All right. So uh, favorite companion. Oh, wow. That's difficult. That's really difficult question. I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I take it you're not counting um, River Song because I, River Song is I like. Mean, you, you could count River. I, I think I can make an allowance for that. But in terms, yeah, in terms of people who've travelled with the Doctor, gosh, I the two there's two of the two I love, um, Donna Noble. Love Donna. I love Donna Noble, um, and uh, I love I like Clara. I really do. I, some people think she's really annoying. I think she's awesome because she just gets the doctor. Like she doesn't. She's not all kind of blown away by all the. Oh, like I'm the. I'm look at me. I'm the doctor. Kind of. I'm the time lord. Whatever. She's. She has a, this kind of personal relationship with him, as a person, and she pushes him and she challenges him. She doesn't let him just be the doctor. I'm like, grandstand it over everybody else. She kind of brings him back down to earth. You know and. I kind of liked, and she was with more than one doctor, which kind of, which which is a, which is another thing I think, um, and I liked Rose as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, so they're my favourite companions. Yeah, Rose and Ten. If you love Ten, you gotta love Rose because Rose and Ten are so special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so yeah. so last and most important question: What do you eat while watching Doctor Who? <laughs> oh, what do I eat when I'm watching Doctor Who? Goodness. Because I mean, I get really into the themes, but let's let's hear yours. Wow, that's interesting. What do I eat? I mean, oh, jammy I mean, dodgers, jelly babies. 
Oh, it's oh, I would say satsumas, and uh, sometimes I have yogurt. I usually have a like a like a soft drink. Yeah, maybe I'm normally having my dinner, so like my tea, because I've had my main meal. Have well, you ever done fish fingers and custard? No, I haven't. I really want to try oh, it's it. So good, you have to try it. It is really, it's really tasty. You is have it? To try like, it. okay, I'm gonna try it because like, this is, by the way, fish fingers and custard. When the doctor regenerates into the eleventh doctor, he's still figuring out what food he likes, and one of the things he really loves is fish fingers and custard. Like cold, is it cold fish fingers or is it hot? No, no. Amy fries them. Uh, oh, and then he dips them in the custard, and it's because he, he spits everything else down the sink. That's he right. Just, yeah, it's yeah. all out because his mouth doesn't like it. He doesn't know what he likes. He doesn't like apples anymore, and yeah. doesn't like beans on toast. I have to try that. I have to try fish custard. It's called fish. It's called fish custard. You call it fish custard. That's the name of the dish. And actually, he says he invented shepherd's. He invented Yorkshire pudding. Okay. Because there's this episode with the black boxes, and they he's staying at. Um, Amy and Rory. Amy and Rory, who I love, by the way. Yes. Um, and he's like, they're talking about fish custard and like, like sour, like sour desserts. And he said, "Well, who do you think invented shepherd's pie? Uh, no, not shepherd's pie. I keep saying shepherd's pie. Um, Yorkshire pudding. Who do you think invented Yorkshire pudding? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I love that little thing. Like throughout his history, he accidentally invents." things that right. we all that's love. right up there with the doctor actually being banksy yes that was so awesome i love that oh that was so awesome when they said that when they did that that was it's all those little things just like mm-hmm. yeah i did uh, once make dalek cupcakes watching for watching doctor who we put those little like shiny metal sprinkles on to make the little rivets right. on the cupcake daleks and that was fun oh wow yeah, I, you need to get more creative with your Doctor Who snacks. I well, guess is what I'm saying. It, yeah, I mean it's, diff- it's difficult because it's on Sunday <laughs> evenings and I'm at church when it's on, so <laughs> I get back quite late to watch it, and uh, so it's kind of beyond dinner time, really. So all I can do is have snacks, but I don't have like a ritual of what food I will eat when I watch it. Maybe I should have one. I don't know. But, I like uh, that uh, in the the episode set in India and Pakistan the doctor's listing all these things she needs you know i need a drool from an ox and nine containers and all these things and a biscuit and they're like what's the biscuit for she's like oh i, I just like biscuits yeah i know it oh yeah because yes 11 the 11th doctor loves jammy dodgers uh-huh and i remember that he and one and at one point he uses a jammy dodger and pretends it's like this controller to this bomb for the daleks and it's actually just a jammy dodger I did have a friend from England bring me back jammy dodgers after a visit so I could eat them while watching oh, Doctor Who. That's so nice. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. If you don't have if you've never had jammy dodgers, you're missing out. I don't know if they have them in the US or in the Netherlands. No, or, I, don't, I had I don't to I not in the Netherlands either. I had to have someone bring them to me, so And custard cream, the new doctor has a custard cream dispenser in the TARDIS. Amazing. Which is awesome. Custard creams are lovely. Yeah, well, this has been a really good episode, and I hope you've all stuck with us. This is, I think, this is, I've, I think we've just learned a lot just from doing this episode about ourselves and Doctor Who, and actually some of the things that this might actually mean. You know, the bigger meanings behind Doctor Who <laughs> that we didn't even know when we started out doing this conversation. 
Um, so we may do another episode like this, I think. I think there's more to talk about with relation to Doctor Who and uh, spirituality, um, more than we maybe realise. So, Yeah, it was really good for me too. Um, actually, yeah, I'm going to think about this some more. This has given me some good food for thought. And honestly, movement toward sort of the next stage of transformation I feel moving into. Yeah, me too, actually, yeah. It really has. So um, I hope it's been helpful for you, everyone listening. And uh, yeah, have a great week and we will talk to you all soon.